millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Eddie Jacobs. And welcome once again to the H&J Daily, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show, which um, we did from home. Basically, Andy was in his house, I was in mine, and uh, we had a couple of technical issues, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, a few so. teething problems in terms yeah. of the delay, but um, we, we, I think we, 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 we gave you a semblance of a show oh, at the end. Oh, we now. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course we have. So, um, Andy, what did we like today? Well, I thought uh, we had a chat and of sorts. I don't know what the quality was. That was quite tricky. Uh, Jim White came on. They had an interesting idea for the BBC. Uh, Not Scottish Jim White from Sky and Talk Sport from The Telegraph. That's right, Jim White from The Telegraph. Rupert uh, did his race for us and also his uh, vegetable commentary, so that was quite fun. Uh, Mike Ward was on good form. <laughs> Mike Parry's completely mad, but we have to hear from him. And we had some good archive inserts yep. from uh, previous times. That's right, so we'll bring you some of those as well. So here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. And, uh, yeah, this is a new experience for us. We've never done this, I think. Maybe once we did it many, many years ago. You were in Spain. I was in the studio. But here we are in our houses broadcasting to you. If it all goes wrong, uh, I'll get my guitar out and play Knocking on Heaven's Door. Oh, tremendous. So that's great to hear. Fantastic. I thought you you dropped off there for a minute, Paul. No, I'm still with you. I'm still listening. Oh, good. Yes. um, So all all good, I think. And uh, I think basically everybody should be indoors, which is one of the reasons why we're doing this. And uh, so here we are indoors in our own houses. So, uh, yeah. Yes. Is that it? And, uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's it. I've missed my commute to work. I had to get Sue to do the traffic and travel bulletin between here and the bedroom. I thought oh, that okay, fantastic. Well. Yeah, I mean, that normally quite well. a lot happens to you on the commute in, doesn't it? Quite a lot goes on, yeah. but uh, well, not a pile today, of washing. Daddy. No, there was a pile of washing by the uh, utility room, but I managed to sort of work my way around it, so that was all all good. Um, I could be on the drinks cabinet by 3 o'clock. It's a bit lethal. It's right behind me, so if it doesn't go well, oh, I'll, okay, I'll well, resort yeah. to that. But uh, uh, all in on all... the last couple of minutes, I could be on it by about quarter past one. <laughs> 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 it's, it's it's certainly different. This isn't it. We've had we've had uh, we've had our meeting between the four of us. That was quite interesting yes. on house party. So uh, and we can see each other, which is quite good. You see, I'm wearing a shirt and tie and a suit. Yeah, because I felt like getting dressed up. I felt like going to work. 
But I've done the old newsreaders thing. I am actually wearing jeans underneath. Look, there you go. Look. Oh, yeah, look at that! That's a nice to, touch. Yeah, that's what they good. used to do. Yes. So uh, yeah, so it's lots of lots of interesting stuff in the papers, of course. That uh, is it. Be speaking to oh yes, I must be reading yeah. the wrong papers. <laughs> no, I found stuff anyway. But I thought the Sun had a very useful uh, thing this morning. It was really seriously very useful. Your key lockdown questions answered here. Lots of very good information. But one of the questions was, can I have a picnic in the park? You think, of course you can't. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> People aren't honestly thinking that, are they? For goodness sake. And uh, lovely There was one in the Cliff Telegraph, Andy. Oh, sorry. I'm gonna, we're going to keep doing this. I'll try not. We have a slight delay, as I've just now realised. So it's a bit like talking to someone in a foreign country. So uh, there is a slight delay. So forgive us if we keep crashing each other initially until we get slightly <laughs> more, used to more, this. But more than we uh, usually do. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. So uh, there was one in the Telegraph as well and said, what shall I do about my dry, chapped hands because of all the hand washing uh, and the gelling? And the answer was moisturise. That's money Thanks. for old rope, isn't it? That gig. <laughs> me. It's good. They reckon and olive oil. You can put olive oil all over the back of it as well. Rub your hands in olive oil, then put your gloves on. At night. Why are you, sh why are you shouting at me like I'm an old person? <laughs> well, you know, there's only one answer to that. <laughs> and I normally speak to my mum. I normally speak to my mum like this on her Alexa. So I'm waiting for you to go, Alexa, stop. And then that will be the end of the conversation. Actually, last night I was having a visual call, video call with my son, and I forgot, it was, I started using it like a normal phone. So he basically had a lovely shot of my ear, which was quite interesting. But uh, Beautiful. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, I know. And a lovely photo of uh, Cliff Jones, who we're going to be speaking to later. There he is working out, and above him is, I don't know if you saw that in the sun, Paul, today, a lovely picture of Cristiano Ronaldo looking fully oiled, fully lubed up if you're on the expression and uh, mm. he's on top of cliff if you get the idea but i prefer cliff in general yeah we are going to speak to cliff jones the uh, tottenham and wales uh, legend he uh, did a little bit of a workout as we said octogenarian joe wicks he did a workout in the garden yesterday for those of a certain age he's in incredible shape for a man of his age so uh, yeah well we'll catch up with him a little bit later on see how uh, the semi-lockdown is working out for uh, a legend of the game and it's very interesting because the, the papers are still trying to portray a sense of normality. And so the fashion pages came out today and there was a piece, this piece. If you think only Liz Hay Hurley can get away with white denim, it's time to reconsider, says Frankie Gray. Who cares at this point? But anyway, there you go. I suppose they've got to try and have a sense of normality. Yes, indeed. Sorry, I didn't catch any of that because you dropped off momentarily. But uh... Did I? It was probably a really funny line, but I've got no idea whether the listeners heard it uh, or not. I've no so, idea. Uh, well, let's just, so. just keep going as if they did. Uh, hopefully, they did. Um, okay. More news. More news on Claudia Winkleman. You remember yesterday she oh, good. Uh, she's, she was going to have her hair curly. Uh, today she's admitted that her bathroom is so badly covered in fake tan it's turned orange. Ah, okay. Well, that, I think that's put everything in perspective. <laughs> I don't know is. about you. I feel an whole lot better about the world after hearing that. So, as we said, we are going to um, bring you a little bit of theme music uh, every day. Dave Kidd and the Sun yesterday made the point that uh, these old TV themes just kind of give us that kind of great nostalgia, those memories of, uh, of times when, when, when there was live sport on, of course. And so we've decided every day... We're going to give you a, a bit of a theme tune, aren't we, Andy? So and you've, you've had a, yep. a search route today. 
I have, and uh, it's the old, uh, it's from 1982. We had a lot of requests for it yesterday. It's the Sports Night theme. And now it's time to join Harry Carpenter for Sports Night. <laughs> Our main action tonight features football, boxing and skiing. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Mr Parry, good afternoon. Good afternoon, fellas. And uh, I hope self-isolation is treating you well. It's a big challenge to us all, fellas, particularly those with active minds like we have. But for the good of the country, we've just got to grit our teeth and get on with it. Good Indeed, point, we have, Perry. Mike. Uh, so uh, I just, I, you know, you've had um, serious. You are, you are, yeah. Mister Underlying Health Issues. It's a phrase that's yeah. been used a lot. So we do seriously, Mike. We do, we do worry for you. But uh, yeah. did are you one of the one point five that were written to by uh, the government as being um, as uh, high risk? Well, I, that wasn't necessary because what happened was last week when I realised this was coming on, I got hold of my hospital because I'm still an outpatient um, at Harefield, okay. And I knew from the start that I, it was likely I was high risk. And uh, I managed to get all that confirmed. So uh, I then had to refer that to my local um, doctor's surgery to make sure that the consignment of pills which I need uh, were going to be available to the local chemist. Because, believe it or not, fellas, every month I take like 22 pills a day. And um, that needs to, you know being an uninterrupted supply, particularly at the moment. The one thing that's worried me most, and I know you'll say that I'm being terrible, uh, terribly materialistic here, but if I'm high risk and, you know, I could pop my clogs at any time, I suppose, you know, considering I'm a man of certain years and all that. So the first thing I did was I got hold of my accountant and my financial advisor on a um, collective call, you know, on a call we were all on, because I need to protest to the government about death duty, because it only occurred to me sort of about a year ago that uh, 40% of everything I've got could disappear into the government coffers if I suddenly uh, depart this earth. Now, when I found that out last year, of course, there was no great emergency. I wasn't expecting to imminently die. And I'm not expecting to imminently die now, but, but there's great the livelihood, uh, likelihood of it. And I want to spare my family from being um, torn from my riches. OK, yeah, well, Mike, we'll leave that with you. Death duties aren't uh, 40%, are they, Mike? I thought they were a bit less uh, than that, aren't they? Over a certain figure, over a certain figure of your assets, right... You, you get um, you get uh, taxed at maximum rate, and maximum rate of tax in this country, I think, is 45%. But you get 40% over a certain figure. And when you think that you've worked all your life for everything you do, and then, you know, some people in, in um, certain parts of the country, London, bought houses years and years ago. That house might be worth a million pounds now. To lose £400,000 of that just because uh, you've died, I think is a scandal. And it's something I will be campaigning against, right, when we get round to the other side of this and we all get back to normal. 
Fantastic, Mike. We'll leave that with you. Uh, now, uh, you, you've been reading, of course. You've been, a lot of people have been reading in this sort of semi-lockdown. Yes. Uh, you found out something about what, a, a great a great British icon, and you, well, you see yeah. similarities with your position and his. You were tweeting about it today, so tell us more, Mike. <laughs> well, okay. I don't see any similarities, but the point is that um, Sir Isaac Newton is one of our, our most famous ever scientists, Okay. Now, the point is, in 1665, um, the University of Cambridge closed due to the bubonic plague. And Sir Isaac Newton was one of their leading um, academics, Okay, So he went away to his house. He had a little garden in the back of his house. He self-isolated. And while sitting Mm. on a bench in the back garden, an apple fell on his head. And guess what? That was the discovery of the laws of gravity. So because he was self-isolated and wasn't out and about in the town when he normally would have been, sitting in his back Mm. garden, apple dropped on his head, came up with the theory of gravity. Not only that, a week later, he reckons because the apple had fallen on his head, it had triggered other great things in his brain, he discovered the mathematical equations of calculus, which we wouldn't have today had it not been for Sir Isaac Newton's self-isolation. So you feel, Mike, potentially that you could you could make similar discoveries? Well, look, you know, I spend my time usefully, right? And, of course, a lot mm. of people this morning have said, well, why don't you perfect, you know, your original idea from 10, 15 years ago to put wing mirrors on horses, OK? I've never actually understood. I don't want to go back over old ground, but I've never actually understood why nobody's taken that up. I think it's a brilliant idea. But the other one which I've discussed with you boys before, again, is to try harder to get my raise. The bar campaign instituted. Now that football is on hold for so long, we've all now got time to think about how we improve the game when we come back. Uh, just just briefly, for the listeners who haven't heard it before, Mike, just explain about your raise the bar campaign, what you're looking to do. Right. The average height of a man in 1863, when the rules of football association were drawn up, was five foot four inches. The average height of a man now is five foot ten inches, okay? Men are too big to play football with the current parameters of the goalposts, i.e. the posts and the bar. You've got to raise the bar six inches, widen the posts Mm. by three inches either side, and that gives more space, 40 square feet more, for footballers to aim at. That is something that needs to be done, and it should be underway now in the thinking process. Yeah, obviously not practically now, but I see what you mean. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, always, been an inter- it's always been an interesting theory, but... Uh, well, yeah, Everton we'll are building that... a new stadium. Everton are building a new stadium. They could be the first to say we're going to make room for these improvements put forward by the think tank initiated by Mr Parry. The other thing, of course, fellas, we can do when we're not um, you know, allowed out and all that kind of stuff is to read heartily those books that we put aside years ago to remember and we're always going to read when yeah. we retire except of course we'll never retire now I'm reading a book which is very close to my heart The Earth is Weeping the epic story of the Indian Wars for the American West okay it's about how mm. Native Americans had their lands stolen from them by people like us invaders I think it's an yeah. outrage I'll be campaigning for that when all this is over you really are in a campaigning mood one, campaigning. just one thing Mike yeah. I wouldn't unilaterally just, uh, tell Everton to make their goals bigger. You let yes, enough goals exactly. in it is, Mike. You don't, you don't no, have to do no. that on your own. It's got to be a, a league-wide decision, <laughs> really, isn't it? No, 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 you don't understand, though. I'm not going to write to Mr. Kenwright and say, look, we have bigger goals in our new stadium. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, I think they should leave room 
for bigger goals because part right. of that campaign as well, remember, is that I'm going to insist if you've got bigger goals, you will need a bigger pitch. And instead of it being 120 yards long, it will need to be 150 yards long because if men are that much bigger, they've got a much bigger stride. So it means they cover ground more quickly. They fill up more of the pitch. It's not just the goals that need to get bigger. It's the pitch. It's the goals. It's the penalty areas. It's the stage of itself. So I'll be advising Everton to leave a good three or four yards either side of the pitch for expansion in the stadium. Yeah. Fantastic, Mike. Right. Look, we're, I just had uh, somebody from the clubs listening this afternoon. <laughs> and, uh, wing not. mirrors for horses. We want you to perfect that while you're at home. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that won't be a problem. Okay. Well, I seem to have lost I seem, there. seem to have lost you there, fellas, but thank you very much indeed for uh, <laughs> talking to me, my self-isolation. Guys like you who bring comfort and succour to the masses like myself. Really? At the moment, we're on our own, but we're never on our own when we're listening to Hawksby and Jacobs. Yes, thanks very much, Mike. I am, in fact, on my own because Paul seems to have dropped off, which oh, is right. uh, marvellous. Okay. That's great. Okay. Well, okay, <laughs> I need to just you and me oh, now, Oh, Paul's back now. Okay. Oh, he's back. Right, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I thought, Mike, I thought you'd gone. I'd actually <laughs> gone. I couldn't talk to Andy, so uh, this, is, this yeah. is all going rather smoothly, I think. This oh, it's tremendous. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I don't think I've anything to complain about, fellas. Remember, what I say to myself in these situations is there's always somebody worse off than yourself. So we've got to think of those people. And it's up to us, the lucky ones, to look after those who are unfortunate. That's Indeed, Mike, They're not doing um, a radio show, though. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Cheers, Mike. We'll catch Good up on. with you soon. All the best. OK, guys. Take it easy. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast 
from TalkSport. And here is uh, Steve Bruce with the Steve Bruce murder mystery. Bright red blood on the knife blade. The knife in my hand. Duffy's dead body stretched out on the locker room floor. And to cap it all, that's when Carberry opens the door. I, I didn't do it, I said weakly. And England didn't win the World Cup in 66, he sneered. I put the knife down. Even then, it occurred to me that my prints were on the handle. It was half past ten in the morning. What started as just another Monday had suddenly turned pear-shaped. I'll give the police a bell, Carberry said. There was a crooked smile on his lips. Eddie Carberry was enjoying this. Duffy was dead. There was blood everywhere, even on my hands, and Eddie Carberry was enjoying it all. This was his big chance. Me inside, on a charge of murder, Carberry's caretaker manager, a run of good results, and he gets my job. Which he's always wanted and expected to get when the last guy got the old heave-ho after the boardroom takeover. Soon I was surrounded by members of the club. Nothing much was said. Some of them touched me lightly on the shoulder, letting me know they were in sympathy with me. I smiled weakly, but was unable to utter a single word, either of explanation or in my defence. What I didn't know then was that I was in deep shock. When a manager's top striker is murdered and the manager's found with a weapon in his hand, it's no time to start singing, we're on our way to the premiership. I had, quite literally, been caught red-handed and the guy who found me was an implacable enemy. I think I'd better fill in some of the background. Much of this you'll already know. I was born and brought up in the northeast. My father was a fitter and my mother a housewife who took a series of home help jobs to make ends meet. We were poor. The whole area was poor in those days. The docks had closed down, there was no work. Strong men with skills idled their time in betting shops or gossiping down at the social club over half a pint of bitter ale. With kids to care for, and hard times for everybody, my parents didn't have much to offer us. I'm not complaining. It wasn't a bad childhood. There was happiness and love in the family. It's just that we were poor. We were all soccer mad. I was no different. From as early as I can remember, I was kicking a ball about. Sometimes it was an old tennis ball, sometimes a football. We all had our heroes, some from the past, some more recent. Jackie Milburn. Bobby Robson, Jack and Bobby Charlton, Brian Robson, Alan Shearer, Paul Gascoigne, the list goes on and on. What I never guessed, even in my wildest dreams, and like any other soccer crazy boy, I had my share of dreams, what I never guessed was that one day I'd make the top grade. There we are. That really is the words of uh, Steve Bruce, the Newcastle United manager. His book uh, from uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, that was Striker. We're going to serialise that for you. Of course, that, let's be honest, that wasn't Steve. That was uh, that would be pushing it a bit. That might blow the budget. That was the brilliant Ian Danter uh, playing the part of Steve. And we will continue to serialise seri- uh, it because I want to know who murdered him. It clearly wasn't Steve. He didn't do it. We know no. that already. It would just be too obvious. And when Steve said, I'm in deep shock, I wondered what he was going to say there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but well done to Dan says It's a brilliant impersonation. Honestly, as I was listening to it, I thought, that is Steve. Even know, Steve it, thought it, it was Steve. 
is this Steve's singing. I don't remember doing this. Uh, we should thank a few of the friends of the show who've been in touch this afternoon, uh, including uh, comedian Olaf Falafel. He said it's great you managed to get Norman Collier on this afternoon. <laughs> thank you very much. That's very true. <laughs> he'd be he'd be well at home here, wouldn't he, Norman? That's right. So, Andy, did you see the pictures yesterday? We know racing in Ireland has has, has gone by the wayside, mm. um, and uh, they've decided to cancel it uh, for, for the time being. Uh, as as Ruby Walsh was saying the other day, he felt it would go in the end. But the some of the pictures from Clonmel yesterday, where we where we had racing over on Talksport too. Did you see all the jockeys socially isolating? They're all given little dots to stand on yeah, around I did the parade see that. ring. And it looked like it looked like a Turner Prize entry. It looked like a like an art. In, all these guys in jockeys outfits, all, jockeys outfits, all six feet apart, standing in a big circle. It, it was a bit cosmic. It looked good, actually. A bit Juan Munoz, if you remember that one. Oh, that's nice. I, uh, that's a nice. He doesn't. He doesn't get many mentions on Talksport. Except when Harry, Harry tried to sign him, of course. <laughs> he did. Uh, I had a message from Alan Fletcher, Dr. Carl Kennedy, for the listeners, right. and uh, he just passes on his best. I was speaking to him last night just to congratulate him on a tremendous series of episodes. Really brilliant. It came to its conclusion last night. I originally had a sweep. I thought that B. Baby Aster and Finn were going to die, but they didn't. Okay. It turned out to okay, be right. Denise Van Outen, Gary, and uh, Finn, in fact. So uh, I've uh, basically... Hold on, I've got one of my friends on the... He's got to get off. Jonathan, go, please. Thank you. <laughs> okay. See, I'll lock the room. I've, it's amazing, I've, I've locked it? the room now. I know, I unlocked it. I'll lock it again. People try and join in. It's hopeless. It's bad enough just the two of us <laughs> trying to speak to each other. There's somebody else coming along. I love we're having a house oh. party. We're, we're having a house party, listeners. We are. This is the way Andy and I are nominally communicating with each other uh, visually this afternoon. So one of Andy's mates thought he'd join us. He thought it'd be a good idea just to uh, join yeah. us this afternoon when we're working. But that's right. If he comes into the uh, studios once we're through all this, Andy, he can just come and sit in the studio and look at us for two and a half hours, <laughs> can't he? It's the way life yeah, works. Good. We all do that. We all like doing that at work, don't we? Of course. It'll be tremendous. Did you know that, uh, this is interesting, that ko- koala fingerprints are so like those of humans, they've been on occasion to be confused by police at a crime scene. So basically the police, police have come along, thought, oh, we've got a good set of prints here. And then they're suddenly looking for a sort of dodgy koala. So Brinks, Matt, was that koalas? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it may well have been. We may look back on some of the biggest crimes of our... I mean, it'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? I think oh, there's, there's probably people wrongfully arrested all over the world for, our, for robberies and stuff, but they were done by koalas. So you could be onto something here. It's true. Surely that now, kind of other... faint smell of eucalyptus in the room would give it away, wouldn't it, really? <laughs> probably would be. Now, uh, we, we've had a, we heard earlier in the show about uh, quarantine football and FIFA. Uh, yeah. I hope to get a cricket game that I ordered that I'd be able to play. But the, it's mm. from the same company that keeps sending me. They don't send me the cricket game. They send me the golf. This is the third one I've received. I'm showing it to Paul now on House Party. It's basically, yeah, uh, yeah another golf, Arnold Palmer golf game. So, so is this like you have, you have a kind of golfer on the end of a stick, like the old Arnold Palmer game of the past, and you lay out the, the uh, golf yeah. course and you there he and is. you hit the ball, yeah? Yeah, he's Fantastic. got clubs. And there he is. There's, a, there's clubs, there's a course. It's marvellous. So I might have to set that up for tomorrow to see uh, if we need it. I don't know if Paul's okay, dropped off enough. again. Oh, no, there he is. No, I can hear you. I can hear you. I can okay, hear you good. loud and clear as long as you can hear me. Can't, can't, really tell but there we go 
Okay. Good. Uh, Jan Vertonghen uh, has been tweeting. Look, the footballers uh, generally, Andy, have been have been helping out uh, fans. And uh, a guy called Niall got in touch with Jan Vertonghen. This is quite a random. Of all the questions you could ask the Spurs and Belgium centre half, would you say to him, "Hey, Jan, are there any board games you could recommend while I'm at home?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not the first. It's not the first. That, you know, you could actually say to him, "Hey, Jan, uh, will you be signing a new contract?" Yeah. But no. Have you got any board? But fair play to old Jan. He has gone with code names, something called Blockus, and, and a game called Thirty Seconds. So Ooh, I, I, okay. I think I've played code names before, but Blockus and Thirty Seconds are new ones on me. So. Uh, so there we are, just some of the services that professional footballers are, uh, are offering at the moment, which is a nice touch, I think. That's good. He's not around this afternoon for an interview, is he? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought, I thought we'd be get, mate, if, you, if I drop off again, he could come around your gaff and you can have a game of blockers. Can't you, really? Marvelous. You used to play like that a lot block. on Twitter, blockers. I yeah, did. I like a bit you? of blockers. And uh, sure you did. I watched a bit of Two Tribes last night on another BT film as part of my yeah. campaign to watch something every night. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. The political background, the football, the whole thing. And uh, Motti, once again, doing so much of the commentary, so much of the uh, the big Merseyside derbies, the, the semi-finals. And he, I thought about it. Motti's voice is really part of soccer soundtrack history isn't it it's incredible really so we're very fortunate yeah, no. to have him on each week and we sort of don't take him for granted as such but when you hear all this <laughs> stuff and you hear no, we, don't, know, we don't take we, him for granted we don't take him for granted but you know it's just <laughs> it's just being reiterated how important yeah. he has been how important a figure he's been over this and of course our other yeah. great commentators martin tyler and brian moore uh, doing the final we heard him in that so there you go so that, that was good i enjoyed that last night recommend it and Andy, what's been lifting your mood in these uh, difficult times? I mean, uh, it's my I'm, wife. I'm give you, are she really? What about that's lovely? Oh yes, that's lovely to hear. Yeah, she's that's, always. I wasn't expecting a serious answer. No, okay. no, she's always. Well, look, she's so supportive. She thinks the show's sounding good. It's absolute disaster. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I, I put this. I put this to you because if you were to look out of your window now and yeah. you saw a, a pony there, would that lift your spirits? Yes, it might. I'd be a bit of a shock. <laughs> Although it would be in the middle of Chiswick, it might be really if that's a stray pony. This is because Although, this is being done. Yeah. This is being done around the country. Well, it's certainly being done not far from you, actually, in Teddington, south-west London. Uh, mm. The Park Lane stables, uh, for those people locked in, somebody's just wandering around with a pony. And then the pony will come up to your window and get and just sort of look at you a bit, and you look at them, and uh, you f you feel much better. Apparently, it seems to be working. It's making people smile. But again, I think it'd be out of a shock to you, and you might have a heart attack. It's a slight it would worry be good. there was a pony at the window. It would be good. It would match our output for this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, funny Andy. enough, where I live is uh, yes. near a very famous brewery. And once a year in the summer, they do yeah. this little alley where I live. The horse does come out, the dray horse and the whole thing and children riding on it. So we do once a year do see a pony. Yeah. But if I saw one today, you're right, it would be a bit of a shock. Well, that'd be, that's a shy horse, Andy. It's not a pony. If a shy horse rocks up outside your wind, I think you have got problems. <laughs> it could be good for the roses, though. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. So, um, we have been dipping into the archives and taking you back to some of the road mm. trips we've done around European Championships and uh, World Cup tournaments. And we're going to head back uh, to Russia uh, for the next three or four minutes or so. And uh, we saw the host. We were very lucky in St. Petersburg to see the host in action. As we all know, the Russians really did embrace 
the tournament in those early stages after getting their win in their first game. And this was their second match in the tournament against Mo Salah and uh, Egypt. And this is how it all unfolded when uh, myself and Andy and the producer went to the match. and they were fantastic. Sensational, stirring stuff. Yeah. And what a stadium this is. Amazing, absolutely amazing. It's a really sort of tight bowl, very, very close to the pitch. It's a high rate, not great for vertigo sufferers like me, but great stadium. So uh, here we go then, Egypt versus Russia. 15 minutes in. Well, it was all Russia for about 10. Egypt to... Just started to get back into it, haven't they? And uh, Salah, it took him 10 minutes to get a touch. But he clearly looks the best player on the pitch here. And you, Russia look like they're panicking every time the ball comes in their area. I, meanwhile, got Stewart 6673 in front of me. He won't get out of the way. No. Just slightly annoyed. Yeah, he's uh, been told to stand there and he, he's not moving. I'm starting to fear a bit of a nil-all here, but you think there's goals in this, I yeah? I think there's goals in I've just asked our producer, John Kelly, is it like this at Plainmore? He said very similar. Very similar, yeah, like a bowl of about 60-odd thousand people. And no Watford connection for our executive producer. Here comes the ball! So there we are, half-time. Nil-nil. Uh, uh, but a really good, exciting nil-nil. There have been chances both ends, just lacking both little final ball, a bit of a cutting edge. I'd say neither of these two teams are winning the World Cup, though. No, I think you're probably right. We're now in the queue for an Infantino burger. That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, we've not... It's been a bit of a mad day, so we're, we're now basically having an hot dog in the stadium. That's dinner tonight. That's not good, is it? Yeah. <laughs> and Andy's obviously delighted with that being such a food snob. <laughs> Never mind. It's looking for Schubert. Oh, it's gone into the net. It's an own goal by Fatty, the captain. An extraordinary moment, just 90 seconds into the second half. Well, Russia have scored, but not that we know that because we've been waiting 20 minutes for a hot dog. But we're so hungry, we waited anyway. It's a complete and utter disaster. Yeah, they're terrible. They're so slow. But what, Russia or the people serving the hot dogs? <laughs> well, we're back in our seats now. Where people, the... Uh... I didn't realise, as I, 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 I explained in quite graphic Anglo-Saxon detail to our producer and head of football why we'd missed the goal. Not realising that the Russian people around us speak very good English and, and understood all of my yeah. complaints about the service at the yeah. hot well, dog no, I think they just enjoyed the colourful language. But uh, anyway, they thought it was funny. Yes, and a nice hot dog, but it's already repeating on me. Yeah, I think that's going to be a lot of wind. Got a small pockets of wind. He's played it infield to Fernandez. Great run. And it's in the back of the net. And it's Cherishev who makes it 2-0 to the hosts. And well, we've finally seen the goal. Oh, yeah, we saw the goal. I think we saw the better goal. It's a nice move. Lovely move. They've gone mad in the stadium. Surely that's it for Egypt and Russia will be through. You would think so, yeah. But it looks a long way back, doesn't it? Schubert, lovely touch, fabulous goal! Anton Schubert on his right foot, drilled it past El Shanawi, and Russia are running riot 
again. I think Egypt can start the car. Start the car. It's all over. Russia have qualified, surely. What a performance. They played so well. Amazing. They played. That was a great goal. Really well finished. They look a bit broken now, Egypt, don't they? Yeah, and the crowd here have gone absolutely bananas. Wonderful atmosphere. Two great goals. You've got to hand it to them. Well done, Russia. I think the Egyptian players may have had one of those hot dogs at half-time. Egypt coming forward with Salah, edge of the area. He's pulled that ball square. Little give and go. Salah goes over. Penalty. It's a penalty to Egypt. Well, Egypt have got a penalty. Oh, mate, sorry. Can't see. Egypt have got a penalty. And you can see somebody stood right in front of me. Yeah. Here we go then. Mo Salah. Small opportunity. Oh, yeah. Buried it. Very good pen. And there is the full-time whistle. Two wins out of two for the hosts. They're on the brink of the knockout stage of the World Cup. Well, here we are, back in the bar of the hotel post-match. We've got to be honest, we did a cheers, George, see you next Saturday. We did leave about three or four minutes before the end, didn't we, and then got lost on the way out. Yeah, we did get completely lost, and there was a wind whipping off the Baltics. Oh, yeah. You'll pardon the expression. <laughs> Roy Hudd? <laughs> Have you got a court subpoena? <laughs> and it was, it was literally like mid-March, honestly, yeah, it was it was. freezing. But what a great night, really, really enjoyable, and a terrific win for the home nation, yeah. and great fun for us to be out our first World Cup game. Terrific. And uh, great atmosphere in the streets, the old car horns uh, blaring out there, and uh, it was a great atmosphere in the stadium. I think unlike the first game, which was probably a bit more corporate as an opening match in Moscow, a lot of fans there, a lot really enjoying themselves. So cheers. Cheers. There we are. So uh, that's how it all unfolded back in uh, 2018 at the World Cup. Yes, an own goal from Fatty. I didn't realise Moose was playing for Egypt. There <laughs> bit we go. Harsh. Come on. The, went, that hot drop, that hot dog really disagreed with me. Do you remember how ill I was the next morning? Yeah. Oh, it's really bad. It's the most you can blame Gianni Infantino. The There's still still time to sue him, Andy. I wouldn't worry <laughs> I about it. it. You can still I think sue I might. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. We've got a commentary for you this afternoon. And once again, Rupert Bell joins us. Hi, Rupert. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, Andy. I think there are 14 runners in this race. Sorry about oh, bad, that. Yeah, it's luck. a rather big field, isn't it? I tell you what, let's go because we, we we want yeah. people at home just to have a little bit of fun with it and just have a just get on a horse yeah. just for the sake of it, like they would during the national. So let's go through the names, see if we can jog a few people's memories. Okay. Well, number one is Deep River Woman. Number two is Gino's Girl. Three is Cherry Pop. Four is Samara, five is Effort, six Forgetter Girls, seven Big Myth, Flame of Fire is number eight, Bridesmaid Blues is number nine, Tawny Jet number ten, Oasis Queen is at number eleven, then number twelve is Lady Smith, and thirteen is nevertheless, and finally fourteen is Salubrious. So those then okay. are your Lucky 14 for this um, top race. I have to say, I've never seen any of these horses run before. I'm going with effort. Uh, this show's help. a real effort. You're going for, yeah, you're putting, you're putting a lot of effort in there, Rupert. <laughs> I'm going to go with, as it's a South African race, 
and uh, with a nod to the old Paul Simon now, I'm going for a bit of Lady Smith. So uh, we'll have uh, a bit of uh, Lady Smith this afternoon, 11 to 2, number 12. So, Talksport listeners, you just there might have been something there. Oasis Queen, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people hoping that Noel takes Liam up uh, on his tweet earlier on. He said, Come on, let's do a gig for the NHS. Let's get the band back together. So, a bit of pressure on Noel this afternoon. So, a few people might be on the, that one. Rupert, I just wanted to talk. Uh, the race is underway very shortly, isn't it? I suppose we should let you crack on. Are, that, are we close to the start of the race? Yeah. Um... Uh, we're not quite close enough yet. Um, I'll tell you what. Okay. For people, for which Bridge is contesting me, but what I can tell you is if probably people might know, where is Fairview? I hear you ask. Well, I can tell you. Mm. It's in Port Elizabeth, and uh, they've been racing at this particular track for 40 years. They moved location. They first started racing in this part of South Africa back in the late uh, 1800s. And then they moved to this current venue and we're racing on the poly track. So it's all weather and they oh. are actually now loading them in for this, this race. So um, fingers crossed that I suddenly don't find I've yes. got a 10 runner race or a, a, a colors <laughs> have changed. Um, so, um, so far, so good. So um, uh, I think they're nearly uh, up to speed for this race uh, from Fairview. Um, and it's the 235. It's the final race on their card. Uh, and it, they're off and running, and uh, one into a, a bit of an early break. Big Myth gets a good break. Oh, and the uh, wonderful, appropriate sound effects have suddenly reared their ugly head in the background. But uh, <laughs> Tamara is one of those in the lead at the moment, and uh, one or two of them taking a keen hold, including uh, Gina's girl, and uh, also Forgetter Girls is trying to take a, a keen hold in the early stages of the race. So uh, out in front, though, uh, we have Flame of Fire looks to have just uh, shading it at the moment. Wide on the outside is Big Myth prominently running as they uh, then look to make the uh, turn in to the straight. Deep River Woman going well and then also Flame of Fire right up there and uh, another one going along nicely. Tacking in behind is uh, a Forgetter Girls looking to make a, a forward move and Lady Smith Another one trying to get in the act, an Oasis Queen. And now they're starting to uh, uh, turn into the straight and the race on in earnest with Big Myth on the outside. One or two others trying to pick up at this stage and they could Deep River Woman maybe just coming under a bit of pressure at the moment. And then another one starting to, to gather up is nevertheless on the outside that Big Myth just has at the moment on the fast. It's starting to weaken. One flying on the outside is Tawny Jet. Is really starting to motor and is coming through in a sweat into the lead. Ooh. Tawny Come Jet on, Lady Smith. On by a length. And then Tawny Jet. And then also Lady Smith. And another one, forget it, girls. But I tell you what, Tawny Jet, she has flown in the oh. final stages in Fairview to take the race for Attigal <laughs> and disappointment for poor old Andy Jacobs. The groan told you everything you needed to know. Remarkably, I pulled the right winner. Oh, well done, Rupert. Yeah, for well once, done, he didn't have Rupert. any money on it. It won. Maybe that's the way forward. <laughs> uh, I think it probably is, but uh, Tawny Jet yes. out of nowhere. She swept hard and fast on the outside. Um, they are racing behind closed doors, so the atmosphere is, um, it, it is rather surreal, again, when you're watching yeah. races behind uh, closed doors. But uh, in terms of a race, it looked like any other race, a horse flying and winning well. Fatigue Gould. 
and Alan Greaves. Trainer Alan Greaves and Rocky T. Gould. Can't say I know too much about either of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to be fair, but you're talking about the talking about the atmosphere there. I mean, uh, a Wednesday afternoon in Fairview on the poly track. I doubt if it's much like Gold Cup Day when it isn't behind closed doors, is it really? <laughs> uh, I think you're, I think you're probably right there, uh, uh, Paul, because um, you know it's a bit like you don't get uh, too many. Um, uh, a punter's there, but Tor was actually the four to one favourite. So I imagine one or two people might have okay. had a little nibble at her uh, in winning the race. So uh, there we have it, Fairview. Uh, that is com- that completes uh, Fairview's card, and then I think there are a couple more, as you say, South African meetings before they go into uh, a lockdown as of Friday. Yeah, I've got a serious question from the world of racing. I'd read today that uh, Ruth Carr, she's become the first trainer we're told to publicly admit she's shut down. The yard. She said, I've made the decision to take all the horses out of training after the latest government advice. I cannot realistically see us racing by May. All the horses know their jobs, so cantering them every day with no end goal was only putting miles on their joints and certainly not doing them any favours mentally. She's also talked about Ooh, uh, where it leaves the owners and stuff. I mean, it, we think we're going to see more of this, Ruben. What, what's the kind of the fallout from something like this? Her maybe being the first to do that. Well, I think, and particularly in jump racing, we are at a stage where, while there is summer jumping, but all the top horses that we were seeing a couple of weeks back at Cheltenham, well, they will no longer be, um, they'll be winding down before they get turned out for the summer. So that, you'll see plenty of that happening. But obviously, you know, if, if we are going to be a long time delayed, there's no point keeping horses at sort of peak fitness uh, if they're not going to be running, because that's just like any athlete. You know, um, you de- what's the what's the point is actually the, the, the really serious side of it. And actually, you know, when the weather's better, you can turn horses out in the field, you know, and it's probably just as good for them sort of um, sort of running around the field than it is being cooped up yeah. in the stable if they're not racing. So I can see where Ruth Carr is coming from. And I'm sure for, for maybe economic reasons, but also just because we probably won't be racing until may at the earliest um it's a sensible thing to do but somewhere like newmarket where do they turn them out to and that's going to be where there are is a huge horse population so it's going to be very difficult um at the big training centers maybe to manage so it is something that i'm sure is being discussed by trainers the length and breadth of the land Uh, rupert can you hear me no i think it's I've so lost Rupert, Rupert there. Anyway, um, we, we wanted to talk to him about his veg. We'll see if we can try and get him back. He's been commentating on his vegetable patch. He's come to this. It's only week two. <laughs> I can't So in the meantime, it. I anyway, can't. I was gonna, what were you going to ask uh, Rupert, Andy? What was your plan? Well, I was only going to ask him about golf clubs because uh, they have had to close down. And uh, it, it's a shame, really, because you know, some people feel, you know, it's an excess. Okay. You feel like you can socially isolate and play around the golf as well, but then, you know, then you've still got people to run the clubs. You've got to think of them. Yeah, you still I need it's people difficult. Yeah, it's very, club. very difficult. You still need all the green keepers there. You still need yeah, staff. So no, no. you can understand why it's happened. Rupert, I think you've rejoined us, and you have been um, commentating on the growth of your veg, which uh, sounds quite dull, but I'm still, well, maybe it is. But um, we've got an early <laughs> oh, leader is. in the race in your vegetable patch, haven't, haven't we? Yeah. 
Well, it's it's great news when you wake up and suddenly you find you have someone who's taken coming out of the uh, the pots and is showing early form. And it is good to know that my dwarf French beans are showing early promise already. Um, so I'm good. I'm very excited, uh, and they've gone into an early lead. I'm I'm still waiting for some encouragement from the runner beans and the peppers, but um, good to know that the French dwarf beans are, are showing. Um, they're liking their conditions at the moment. So uh, fingers crossed uh, they will uh, be soon growing bountifully and then they will find they will be on a move. They'll be transplanted to the veg garden and hopefully then will yield plenty of summer uh, fruit uh, uh, vegetables. But um, good to know that the dwarf French beans are, are doing the business early on. Are they dwarf Great French beans the... or French dwarf beans? I can't tell, but they... yeah. uh, <laughs> I've got no idea. Oh, I don't know. Basically, they're small. Uh, well, they stay in the ground yeah. and then you get lovely long, thin beans. That's the theory. But those are the ones. My uh, runner beans and my um, uh, French runner beans, well, they haven't shown any form at the moment. But then they've only been uh, in the ground for a, for a, for a week. Okay. Non-runner beans, then. <laughs> very good, Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, very good, Paul. Very good. <laughs> Okay, uh, Rupert, good man. All the time there's racing, uh, we'll be coming back to you. We do apologise, but we will. And hopefully we'll catch up with you tomorrow. I think we'll be back in South Africa once again. Oh, I I won't sleep a wink in anticipation. (laughs) The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Well, um, Jim White in today's Telegraph has called on the BBC to fill the Tokyo TV schedules, which, of course, we now won't see in the Olympics this summer, with memories of London. And he joins us now. Good afternoon, Jim. Hi, Paul Andy. How are you doing? We're not yeah, too bad. Not We're getting there, Jim. We would. Uh, it's interesting. I wondered if you meant it would just be Super Saturday and all the many highlights, or would we get the second round of the fencing from the Copper Box on day two? Would you, do you want the whole thing, warts and all? I want the whole thing, warts and all. Listen, there's a huge, there's a huge hole in their schedule, um, the BBC, and there's only so many episodes of Mrs. Brown's Boys that they've got that they can haul up from the archive um, to put on instead. What a great thing it would be um, just to rerun the whole of 2012. I mean. Just the, the, the way the rhythms of that of that tournament went would be fantastic to relive. You got the great star of the uh, of the opening ceremony, which uh, I'm, uh, I think I think actually uh, Paul and Andy, you were you were one of you were the dancers, weren't you? You were definitely in that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'd I'm... love to have been. Yeah. I think the opening ceremony and Super Saturday, Jim, would be fantastic. But, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure about the whole of the Olympics. It, it would oh, be, no, no, be a no, big no. Ask. You see, you've got, a, you, you've got, you've got, and, uh, mate, this, yeah, Super Saturday was incredible. Um, uh, three gold medals in 45 minutes in the Athletic Stadium for Great Britain. Incredible. But there was so much else going on. Do you remember Claire Balding's interview with Bert LeClos? Uh, the uh, Chadler clothed uh, the swimmers dad my boy he's beautiful we want to see him again Uh, and and then uh, and then do you remember John Inverdale interviewing those two uh, British rowers who'd who'd got the silver medal which in many circumstances would have been great and broke down and said uh, we've let the whole country down and Inverdale broke down and said no guys you haven't let the whole country down I mean just thinking about that brings a, a lump to my throat you know there's there's so many great moments you know you've got um, you've got Ben Ainsley uh, winning 
um, the gold medal. And um, when he when he brought his boat in, uh, the the crowd was singing "Land of Hope and Glory" from the uh, the banks of the uh, of the sea down at Weymouth, and he was conducting them from his boat. You know, all these fantastic moments. Uh, Brad Wiggins sitting on his throne with his with his gold medal there <laughs> on his throne, flashing V signs for V for victory. Listen, this would cheer the entire nation up. Let's get it on. I'm not watching sailing again, Jim, I promise you. It's one of, it's one of, it's one of the most terrible sports on TV there is, really. You're suggesting no, you watched it in the first place, mate. Don't pretend yeah. you watched it in the first place. I, I didn't. No, I look, it's a, it's a very interesting idea, Jim. I mean, are you enjoying what has been offered in terms of old match of the days? I mean, you mentioned Mrs. Brown there. They got a right coating for that. Of course they did. But they did bring in some match of the day last week. I mean, I, I've quite enjoyed those. Yeah, I, 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 it's been brilliant. The nostalgia, it, it's great. Listen, sport at the moment has no presence. It hasn't got much of a future because we don't know where we're going to do, when it's going to reappear. We don't know what's going on. The past is all we've got. Let's revel in it. <laughs> The one thing they could do, Jim, of course, I mean, we've seen this, haven't we, on, like, BBC Parliament. They they do have the freedom. Like they, They'll often do, like, election night 1974, and they'll put out eight hours uh, sort of as it happened. Uh, or they'll just do different things like that. So you could, I suppose, uh, have the Olympic channels because, they, uh, you know, the BBC are not going to hand... BBC One aren't going to hand over the schedules to London 2012, but uh, you could have a channel, a dedicated channel, maybe. That's me just conjuring up a dedicated channel. What the uh, swing on the channel? Out. In, no, in parallel. Future. I don't mean the. I mean the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're the future director general uh, to, to, <laughs> with ideas like that. There is one thing, however, that they're going to have to do. Um, you know, uh, they're, they're going to have to get their pixelation machine on on getting getting them out to pixelate the faces of uh, the, um, the the runners and riders who have subsequently been found out to be drug cheats because we don't want to remember yeah, them. That's true. I think the women's 1,500-metre race will be entirely pixelated. Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 these, are small, these are small things. So that's like that's a very good point, Jim. You know, history, you know, if you think about it, uh, here we are eight years on from that Olympics, and there'd be, without mentioning names, which we definitely won't, there'll be an asterisk against a few people. Uh, that won medals uh, along the way, quite exalted medals as well. So you, you might you might look at it with a with a very different eye. You will look at it with a different eye, but actually, some of those are, are, are really good stories. I mean, uh, the the super heavyweight champion, the guy who got the gold medal, was Anthony Joshua. I mean, whatever happened to him? It'd be great to go back and take the <laughs> memories of that poor guy. He's been forgotten about since. It's true. I'd like to see some old cricket. I mean, the BBC have got some really good old black and white John Player Sunday League. I'll have a few of those. <laughs> Probably on my own on that one, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is, yeah, there, so is yeah. a, there is a fantastic archive there. I, I, in all seriousness, I think the BBC probably would have an issue. I think the... Uh, the, the rights are with the IOC. But then the IOC would probably right. be grateful for a bit of money. They've just lost two billion or whatever it is postponing Tokyo. So they'd probably be quite grateful for a bit of money. But, um, you know, some of it belongs to them. I'm not sure how much uh, we want to see sort of um, studio discussions uh, on, on, a, on, on, you know, on the morning of the event when nothing's happening. We want to see events. And maybe you're right. Maybe we'd have a daily 
um, highlights programme throughout. This is what happened on London 2012 this day. Even that would be that would be just joyful. It would, you know, it would bring us all together and uh, at a time when we've got to keep apart. Okay, yeah, well, well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly be putting that putting that the powers that be. Um, Semi-lockdown Britain. Um, I mean, obviously, you're still able to work, Jim. There's your, your column in today's paper. You're, you're uh, one of the fortunate ones like us who's still able to uh, continue to work during these times. But it's a lot of people in our professions who, who aren't able to do that at the moment. A lot of people in all sorts of walks of life who can't. So, I mean, I'm sure that's, uh, that's kind of good for you and your colleagues. We've got a much smaller um, Telegraph sports section than we'd normally have, understandably. Yeah, it's. I mean, there are an awful lot of uh, people who are in, 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 you know, really don't know what's going to happen over the next few months. You know, people whose livelihoods are around sport, who report on sport, who report on, um, you know, knee injuries and, and transfer rumours. And it's it's a real problem for an awful lot of people. And, you know, it's not just people who report on it. I mean, if you if you look at uh, all the all the outlets, um, the restaurants, the bars that are around football grounds, you know, all of them. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's so uncertain. Yeah, it, it's, it's a really, really difficult time. It, sport has such a central part of our society and our economy. Um, you know, it, it's times like this when you realise how big it is. Absolutely. Um, and, just uh, one other thing. Uh, document. Sorry, I was going to say documentaries that you might want to check out while um, while we're in this situation uh, on BT Sport. Too good to go down, Jim. Uh, as a Manchester United fan, you you probably lived that the first time around, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I don't want to give away too much about my age, but I remember seeing that documentary <laughs> when it first went out. Oh dear. Yeah, that was about United uh, getting relegated from the um, uh, first division as it then was. Uh, back in 73 and oh dear tough times and you know <laughs> the people were convincing themselves that the club was too big to go down how wrong they were indeed that's the way that yeah that phrase lives on jim we appreciate you joining us uh, keep safe good to talk to you thanks very much thanks guys all the best the hawksby and jacobs daily podcast from talk sport good afternoon it's paul hawksby and andy jacobs with you through until four on talk sport we are live from our houses this afternoon uh Try to do exactly what you're doing, which is uh, to stay indoors as per the guidelines. Andy over in West London, me on the sort of London-Hertfordshire borders. And uh, we've got Tim Vickery joining us from Rio a little bit later on in this hour. Cliff Jones, he could have come round my place. He doesn't live that far, actually, although he can't because he can't, obviously. I forget we can't. stand outside your window. At the moment. <laughs> yeah, he could, which seems a shame. But uh, Cliff, of course, uh, Wales and Spurs legend, uh, did a little t- uh, Joe Wicks uh, fitness video for uh, for the Oxygenarians yesterday. So we'll be catching up with Cliff to see how the world's treating him at the moment. Mike Ward as well from the Star Brighton and Hove Albion fan. Very proud of his club today, as uh, we're just hearing in the news there. Uh, we'll be getting the pick of the... Uh, night's telly from Mike a little bit later on. Uh, I didn't realise, Andy, that some of the punters are not just having a virtual punt when we do our live races with Rupert. Some are having an actual punt. Titan oh. got on Ladysmith each way, and which is wow. the one I went with, <laughs> and, uh, and, and won some money. So uh, well done, good Titan. We've got a couple more days of that for you, so uh, we'll see how we go on. Yes, Andy. That's good. Yes, well, perhaps he'll be able to afford the Louis Vuitton 
36,000-pound mink dressing gown. <laughs> Somebody wrote to the sun this morning saying, not, not the best time to bring it out. I thought you got a point there, really. But there you go. They didn't know this was going to happen. It's interesting there about the MOT because my wife had to take her car in for an MOT this morning, and I didn't know what to do. So I said to her, nobody will say anything. But in the end, she felt she had to, so she just dropped it off, wow. left it with the keys, and didn't speak to anybody and wore a mask and all that. But we've got to go and pick it up after the show. But can't leave it there forever. And uh, I was thinking last night, though, that all our houses are getting a lot of use, and more use, say, in the next 12 weeks than you would be in a whole year. So I reckon that in one sense, it might be good for decorators. I reckon that houses are going to need decorating after this period is over. But that may not be. Yes, I think that's very true. Yeah. I yeah. Sorry, Andy, I missed the guidelines on MOTs. Was Toby just filling us in on that? What are they telling you to do then for those? I mean, what I they're saying, well, they, it, haven't they? Yeah, it's a bit. The, the guideline was that basically you'd, if your car needed an MOT, you didn't have to have it fixed yeah. until September. But there's doubt about that from the motoring organizations because they don't want a load of cars that aren't roadworthy on the road. So yeah, another thing that just needs to be sorted out. Timmy Mallet is getting ready for Strictly, apparently. I was thinking, oh, Dave, right. it's, probably not even it's not probably not even going to be on. But you, you never know. <laughs> well, that's still plenty of time. <laughs> we, we, we did hear today that Soccer Aid has, uh, has sadly been uh, delayed. Yes, that's uh, a, that is Have you heard about that? Yeah. It seems a great I show. have, yeah. That but, is a pity, really. Uh, now, um, we mentioned earlier on, we played you the Steve Bruce uh, striker book, and uh, Dance gave us his finest Steve Bruce. So it's almost like the man himself is reading his own murder mystery. Uh, we've also got another new series today, Andy, um, which is, you know, you get a lot of these, you know, you start to think of little feature ideas. And it's an old do this. It's on this day in history. Oh, on this but, day, But uh, yeah. completely by accident this afternoon, we're bringing you on this day in sporting history, Yesterday. So rather than just looking at something that happened today in sporting history, yeah. we'll look at something that happened yesterday in uh, sporting <laughs> history for no better reason than I got the day wrong uh, when I found out about it. So this is from the world of ice hockey. And I'm going to ask you a question. I'll put it to the talk sport listeners because unless I'd looked it up, I wouldn't have known. How long does the average game of ice hockey last, would you say, Andy? Uh well, in turn, it's normally an hour. That's the, but then, of course, obviously right. there's timeouts. I mean, so I'd say, like any American sport, about two and a half hours. Yeah, two hours twenty minutes is the average length uh, of a game of ice hockey. But I'm going to take you back now. Well, I'm not uh, a famous uh, sports presenter is going to do that. We're going to take you back now to uh, 1936 because uh, on this day yesterday, in 1936, <laughs> was the longest game of uh, ice hockey. Ever, and uh, it was considerably longer than two hours and twenty minutes. And uh, here to explain it all is the legendary sports broadcaster on a very scratchy record from back in the day, Bill Stern. <laughs> the arena clock had almost reached eight thirty on the night of March the twenty fourth, nineteen thirty six. As some fifteen thousand people settled in their seats to watch the beginning of the annual Stanley Cup ice hockey eliminations, it was the Olympia Arena in Detroit, where the Red Wings were meeting the Montreal Maroons. The first period ended scoreless. And the second period was much the same. Good, fast ice hockey, but just no scoring. In the third period, both goalies continued to keep their nets clear. And the regulation game ended after 60 minutes of play with the score Detroit nothing, Montreal nothing. But that was just the beginning. For the teams must play until one scores. The first overtime period found Jimmy Ward of Detroit firing a shot which seemed to pass the Montreal goalie. But the referee said, no goal. Detroit fans littered the ice with debris of all types. The game had to be held up while the ice was cleared. 
Shortly after that period ended, with the team still scoreless, then another period began, and that, too, also ended without a score. Another period went by, and the clock ticked off the minutes as midnight came and went, but neither team had yet scored. Finally, five overtime periods had been played, and the teams were still deadlocked. The sixth extra session began, and the tired players could hardly skate, much less score. And then it happened. Little Heck Kilray grabbed his puck, passed it to his Detroit teammate, Mad Brunato, in front of the Montreal cage, and Brunato flicked it toward the net. The Montreal goalie made a dive, but the rubber dented the netting and the red light went on as the tired crowd let up a roar for their exhausted heroes. Slowly, the sleepy-eyed hockey fans left the Detroit arena that night as the clock read 20 minutes after 2. They'd been there almost six hours, and they'd watched a hockey game run more than 176 minutes, almost three hours of play which set a new record that's never been surpassed. On this day in oh, sporting sounds... history, yesterday, six hours and one goal. Sounds like a corker. Tremendous. <laughs> what a game. <laughs> I've, I've got one. Funny enough, I've got one from on this day last Monday, because I forgot to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so that's not really a day... kind of trip down memory lane, is it? <laughs> no, no. I mean, on this day in 1872, last Monday. Right. It was the first ever cup final. It was watched by 2,000 people at the Kennington Oval. Wanderers beat Royal Engineers 1-0. I was there in the first FA Cup final, winning a silver cup worth 20 quid. There you go. I thought Lovely. Waste not, okay. want not. Waste not, want not. I forgot to do that one last I week. I think we are playing fast and loose with the whole on this day franchise if we're doing on <laughs> this day are, in yeah. football <laughs> sports history last <laughs> Monday. So anyway, we've got something else to play you as well. And you may have heard a little bit of this. Um, uh, excellent idea by uh, a social media team. Jonathan Beals, who was on with us last week, su- suggested this. Um, we did put out a, a, a talk sport FIFA team um, against Bristol City. We were in the Leeds colours. We were representing uh, Leeds United. It could have a lot to do with the fact that uh, one of our social media guys uh, is a massive Leeds oh, fan. absolutely. So it was probably <laughs> down to that. But uh, anyway, uh, we were playing for Leeds, although uh, many of the TalkSport presenters made the first 11. Somehow, me and Andy did. Now he's been goal, I found myself at the back. Yeah. I was playing centre-back. Jason Cundy was pushed out to right-back. That can't be right, really. He should no. be squeezed into right-back. Uh, so anyway, um, we got a little bit of commentary from the game because uh, I, I get a mention, but Andy features quite heavily in uh, Bristol City's consolation goal. We'll have a listen to this Sam Matterface commentator. Here's Smith down the right. Dijewi hits it. Saved by Jacobs. Comes back out to Smith again, and it's a consolation goal. And Andy Jacobs will not want to see that again. I'm not going to say it was chocolate wrist, but he didn't hold on to it. He parried it straight back into the path of Smith. And Bristol City are on the score sheet. It will not matter as far as the result is concerned. He just needed a little bit more help from maybe his defenders. Durham had switched off. Hawksby was uh, in no man's land. But when you make a save like that, you have to parry it away from goal, not straight to the striker. And Jacobs is guilty of that. No man's land. There we land. are, Andy. I was <laughs> yeah, in no man's land. You had chocolate wrists. <laughs> well, you know, um, I have. <laughs> yeah. But it's great. It Go and check though. it out. It's uh, all, all the highlights. It's on uh, Talk Sports uh, website. Well done, everybody put that uh, together. And there's a lot of, a lot of presenters. Danny Kelly and Natalie, they're not particularly happy about the fact they didn't make the squad. So um, I think there could be a bit of a stewards on that. Alan Brazil does play very well. I won't give too much away. He had away. a stormer. But Alan's yeah, a representation stormer, Alan. on FIFA, he looks <laughs> yeah. like a cross. What does he look like? He looks across like uh, Casey Keller. 
and uh, Johnny Method. Uh, he's got that kind of look to him, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. He, he looks slightly different, but it, as you say, it was very, very well done. So well done to them for that. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. So, uh, Mike Ward uh, from the Star, uh, Brighton fan, has been keeping us in touch with uh, TV away from, as we said, the, the, the docos and the dramas, the sports stuff we've all been trying to watch. And, and he's back. Good afternoon, Mike. Afternoon, Paul. Afternoon, Andy. Yeah, how you doing, uh, Mike? So I'm, I'm good. Good, good, good. Uh, I was just going to say that I did watch something last night. The 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 thirty for thirty uh, series. They they also do thirty for thirty shorts. They're like fifteen minute little kind of pocket documentaries, and you can tell some great stories. This is one called Cutthroat, and I won't give too much away because a very powerful little fifteen minutes, and it's the story of an ice hockey goalkeeper who effectively a skate comes up in a collision and cuts his throat. Um, it's not the first time it's happened. And it's his story of what happened after that. As we said, it's an incredibly powerful 15 minutes wow. of telly. So if people do get the chance to watch that, I mean, look, I'm going to say it's a common occurrence, but they do talk about that happening more than once in a game. And it's it's not something you'd ever really contemplate, but obviously, it, you know, it's, it's pretty heavy tuning. Yeah. I'll, I'll be doing that after this show. <laughs> 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 anyway, I'll bring, I watched. I'll bring these skates where, around. Where is where is that available? That um, document that is on. You'll find that I think on on they, these little BT. fifteen minute. They sort of dot them. They on BT Sport. They dot them around the schedule. So oh, okay, if you do cool. get a chance to watch it, very very good. Anyway, Andy, what was you going to say? I was going to watch Secret. Uh, no, I wasn't going to. I watched Secrets of the Museum. It's a really good program. This Mike about oh, the yeah. Victorian Albert, and uh, and it was interesting. One last night, there was a curator working on a, uh, a heavy, wearing a heavy duty industrial mask, which was working on a very fibrous object. And I found myself looking on it with envy. You are. So it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to get away from it. It's ridiculous. But uh, the wife said to me, "We watched all this thing, brilliantly restored elephants." She went, "Oh, repair shop would have done it better." Yeah. Yeah, but, but, uh, well, uh, does she love repair shop as much as you do? Even though you no, she hates it. Okay. The funny thing is, I, I mean, I, I must be the secrets of the museum. When I first sort of looked at that in the schedules, I thought, okay, whatever. But every time I switch it on, it is fascinating because the, it is the, good. It, the painstaking yeah. attention to detail that these people have and, and the dedication to all this stuff in in the Victorian Albert Museum. A lot of it is sort of you know locked away for years. They don't even know what they've got. That's the weird thing. It's you assume you go into a museum, everybody who runs the place and staffs the place knows what's what and what's where but they're forever going back and you know round round the back as it were and discovering things a bit like jamie oliver's kitchen things you didn't know you had in cupboards um and and and, and repairing and restoring it there's one they did a few weeks ago which i think was frankenstein's monster a model of frankenstein's monster which was sort of used in a, an old movie or whatever and it, it you know it was falling apart and the, you know they they wanted to restore it but they had to restore it in such a way that it didn't look too pristine because obviously it, it, it was meant to look like it's all its clothes were torn whatever that's part of the look of it um and somebody had to get permission to cut a thread you know it was the tiniest tiniest bit of cotton thread but before wow. she was allowed to go ahead and do it she had to get official permission to cut that bit of thread in order to you know it's it's so microscopic in its in its detail it's extraordinary 
I wonder if okay. they have work placement people there because it, it, just imagine like they're saying, oh, let the work placement have a go on that Ming vase and they'd be like us, wouldn't they? But like the, the super glue's coming out the side and then your fingers are stuck together. Yeah. You're running them under the tap and there's bits of old pot, big sharp edges on it. So come on, just, just give, him, give him the old Ming vase for the work place. That's unlightly, I would think. That's anyway, a comedy uh, short Sue. in the making, isn't it? That Sue. is a comedy short, yeah. yeah. Yes, they're back, but they're not on uh, kind of, uh, not being themselves, but uh, actually. Well, I hope so, because they're playing hitmen, or hit women, or hit people. Um, hitmen is actually mm. the name of the series. It's a new thing on Sky One. It starts uh, tonight, 10 o'clock. There's a d- uh, double bill, so it's 10 o'clock and 10.30. And it, the comedy is a very simple idea. They play um, uh, sort of hired uh, hit people. I don't, I'm going to have to call them hitmen, otherwise it sounds stupid. That's, yeah, and that's yeah, the that's title of the programme. Um, uh, who are sort of not particularly good at the job and not very keen on the job. So, in other words, you've got the comedy comes from the sort of you know, contrast between the, the brutality of what they do, you know, a bit like in I, I don't know Pulp Fiction, where they're sitting discussing having, you know, what type of, you know, whether they have mayonnaise with chips or, or, or whatever, you know, they're sort of matter the matter <laughs> of fatness contrasted with the bloodthirstiness of the actual act itself, and that's really pretty much what what, what the comedy uh, centres on. But it's very funny, and actually, um, one of the things that I've, n- I've noticed from watching the uh, the first two episodes is I think what's going to be happening is that we're going to get a sort of a, a series of you know guest star appearances uh, which are for obvious reasons quite fleeting so Nick Muhammad in the first one and somebody else who, who I won't reveal because part of the comedy is the surprise of finding out who it is um, but uh, yes I think an awful lot of well-known faces are going to come a cropper at the hands of Mel and Sue before uh, before the series is up Okay. okay, what's uh, Mr. Winner? You've recommended that one on BBC Two. It's 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 bizarre in a way. It's uh, you know, uh, as somebody who grew up with the likes of I was going to say I grew up with Frank Spencer. I didn't grow up with Frank Spencer, but obviously some others do have him <laughs> in the sample. That would have been calamitous. That would be Ming Var's comedy a hundred times over, wouldn't it? Um, it's um, the, the comedy comedy that depends on a sort of a, a, a character that has a, you know, faces a string of calamities nearly always of his or her own making can become a bit tiresome after a while I mean it mm. can become a bit irritating and I must admit the premise of this one uh, Mr Wynn is a character played by Spencer Jones I thought it looked as if we were going down a similar route and we are but for some reason it's not quite so frantic and it's not quite so sort of um, slapsticky and it's, it's more measured and he seems like a slightly more rounded character than Frank Spencer or Mr Bean or that kind of thing um, and it's quite charming in its own way the first episode he, he, he stumbles upon a piano uh, and realises that he could possibly uh, make some money out of this old piano I won't explain it any more than that it won't be funny but it, it, it's, it's got a certain warmth and a certain charm and it sort of feels like the kind of thing you want to sit down and watch for half an hour right now it just feels right yeah, I was going to say that actually, Mike. I'm wondering, I'm sitting here wondering whether it's a good time to launch a brand new sitcom or not. I mean, you've mm. probably got a bigger audience you would normally get, but I just don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I wonder if Spencer Jones, who plays the part, and the people behind it, thinking. I'd like to have launched in a, a relatively normal world, and maybe not this one. I don't know. It is. It is hard. I mean, you can you can look at it both ways, can't you? I mean, this combat. I mean, this has been in the making for a while. I thought it was going to be launched, you know, some months ago. So whether whether they sort of held it back, thinking this is a, this would was going to be a good time, and then and now regressing it, I'm not sure. But. Um, yeah, I mean, some people just aren't in the. It's every every. If you're not careful, everything you watch, you can sort of say, "Oh, is it appropriate to be showing that right now?" But if you're not careful, you sort of don't show anything because there's always something that will crop yeah. up. Every time I watch somebody on TV now who's standing more than two meet less than two meters from somebody else, I'm thinking, "Oh, that seems like a long time ago, and you're allowed to do that." You know, it's yeah. sort of. It just feels. 
everything you judge is is seen now through that strange prism, and I guess we're going to have That's to true. get used to that for a while. Yeah, true. Um, and and not be too judgmental because otherwise you just you'd have to take everything off telly if you're not careful if you're, if you're too sensitive. <laughs> That's true. To that. We just watch rolling news, and I think that yeah. I think as I found for a little while last night that you, can start to drive you a bit mad. Yeah, don't so, do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, The Definitely. Trouble with Maggie Cole, finally, uh, at 9 o'clock. This has been running for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, this is episode four. It's another one of these ITV um, dramas that's based on... I think we talked about this um, maybe last week, but it's sort of based on a, a ridiculous premise. This woman is a bit sort of local village gossip, loudmouth. She got gets drunk, goes on the local radio station, spills all the beans and becomes a sort of social pariah. And she spends the entire series sort of trying to repair the damage she's done. But as that time goes by, you realise that some of the things she's revealed sort of unwittingly have more depth and substance to them than perhaps we initially thought. So in other words, she's sort of opened a can of worms that um, that she hadn't anticipated. So it's sort of bonkers, makes no sense, it's completely impl- implausible. But I think once you're two-thirds of the way through a series, you're sort of in there till the, the bitter end because you just want to that's true did you find a nice touch by your club today I think around the NHS Uh, Paul Barber was on uh, with Jim earlier on doing their thing uh, that's a, a nice touch. I think we're going to see other clubs doing that I as do, well. I, I hope so. You know, I, I mean, you, we all have our sort of um, moments where we, we we value what our clubs do and what we don't. But I think Brighton have always always been, you know, very much at the forefront of thinking how they can sort of respond to things in a socially aware and put p- football in perspective uh, at times when other things are obviously far more important. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show, and we we, we really cannot wait to see what Mike Parry emerges with. Uh, Considering, as he said, Sir Isaac Newton worked out the law of gravity, we can only imagine what Mike Parry's going to come up with over the next few uh, months. It's, uh, it's, it <laughs> could be life-changing. Would be my guess. Brilliant. But there we go. Okay, we will um, we'll do all this again tomorrow um, from the safety of our own homes. Uh, hopefully, any little glitches have now been ironed out, and it will be seamless, which will be a first, because it's never seamless when it's in the studio, let's be honest. So, um, thanks for listening to us, and we will catch up with you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 